Oral questions by members. House Leader of the Official Opposition. Thanks, Mr. Speaker. The Premier's empty promises have trapped British Columbians in the NDP's middle-class squeeze with soaring rents and unreachable home ownership. After two elections and seven years of broken promises, the Premier released weak and delayed housing targets that don't even meet basic CMHC guidelines for affordability. These weak targets are a recipe to maintain the NDP's new normal, which is the highest rents in all of Canada and the worst housing affordability in North America. Why did the Premier blatantly ignore CMHC guidelines on housing affordability when he came up with such weak housing targets? Minister of Housing. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And uh, we've talked about this many times in this House, and we know that we have a real challenge when it comes to housing in British Columbia. Two decades of underinvestment in housing. Uh, we've seen uh, inflation, global inflation impacts. We've seen a record number, 240,000 people come to British Columbia to seek opportunity uh, because we have one of the strongest economies in the country. With that comes some challenges when it comes to housing. We've set targets for the first 10 communities. Uh, we believe they are both aggressive and if with proper measures, doable for communities, but it's the minimum, Honourable Speaker. 75% is the minimum they must reach, and this is net targets. This is not housing starts compared to uh, what some in the media have characterized as uh, housing starts from one community to housing starts. We're saying housing starts to include also net new housing that needs to be in communities, a recognition that we must build more housing. <clears throat> Opposition House Leader Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the Minister can uh, try to distract and point his finger here, there, and everywhere, but his government's housing targets are already a monumental fail. Uh, the newsflash also for the Minister should be this, that NDP announcements and empty promises won't fix the housing crisis, only building more homes will. Now, in the words of Peter Waldkirch from Abundant Housing Vancouver, and I quote, this number won't make a dent in the housing crisis, and it's time to go back to the drawing board, end quote. The fact of the matter is BC needs over 600,000 new homes by 2030 to give people a break from the NDP's middle-class squeeze. So why is the Premier insisting on weak housing targets that not only fail to solve the housing crisis but worsen the NDP's new normal, which again is the highest rents in all of Canada and the worst housing affordability in North America? Government House Leader. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, again, we know it's a challenging time for many in our uh, communities throughout the province. This is not a challenge only BC is dealing with. It's a challenge that's being felt by jurisdictions across North America. What we've done is taken steps to put strong targets in place. We have announced the first 10 communities. We've set targets for all those 10 communities. Uh, the uh, members from Kamloops will know that their community believes that these are tough targets to meet. Uh, if you talk to the members from Abbotsford, they'll tell you, their community tells you, these are tough targets to meet. Members from Victoria, from Saanich, etc., Honourable Speaker. We set these tough targets because we know in order to address the housing challenges we're dealing with, it's going to require all communities to be part of the solution. Not just the first 10, but all communities to be part of the solution. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the NDP's failures on housing have had disastrous human impact, made worse by this Premier choosing to warehouse the homeless without adequate supports. 
The Travel Lodge on Marine Drive in North Vancouver is a glaring example of this. I've heard countless concerns from neighborhoods, from family, or from neighbors and families horrified by the open and unsupervised drug use and rising vandalism. Now, Mr. Speaker, this is despite my letter to the minister uh, in June and my multiple follow-ups to that letter. It has been um, it has been ignored, and it proposed potential solutions. Now, why is the Premier allowing such lawlessness and danger to fester at the travel lodge, ignoring pleas for more supports? Government House Leader. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. When we talk about the housing crisis, of course, there's different impacts on different people. Everyone we know needs different types of housing in this type of environment. We had a question about targets not being tough enough. We have a member from West Vancouver standing up asking questions about housing when she should also know that her community had targets. And they believe the targets are too aggressive, that they won't be able to reach the targets. Part of the targets is a recognition that the community needs to have shelter spaces, that they need to have supportive housing available for people. Because, Honourable Speaker, people are struggling. And every community has to be part of the solution. And so uh, I met with the West Vancouver mayor and council uh, during UBCM. We talked about possible solutions to address some of the challenges that they're facing in their community. And we're going to continue to work with them to solve that. West Vancouver Capilano to supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, uh, the minister is responding to something which is not related to the question that I was asking with respect to housing targets in West Vancouver. Um, the NDP is um, uh, systematically failing communities by warehousing people with severe mental health and addictions issues without supports. Police have recommended 24-7 security and secure entry systems at the Travel Lodge, which I also uh, described in the letter I sent in June. Yet the NDP does nothing but stonewall the concerns of my community. Neighbours have reached a breaking point. They report to me that people are dying and being removed from the travel lodge in body bags. Now, we owe vulnerable British Columbians better than that. How many more people must suffer or die before the Premier acts to investigate this colossal failure at the travel lodge in North Vancouver? Government House Leader. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, and again, we know that there's people in our communities that are struggling that need support. That's why we had to take steps to move people into accommodation, whether that be the travel lodge, whether that be uh, buying a motel where uh, there's no supportive housing in place. We're two decades behind. Communities have not stepped up to say, hey, we can build this type of housing for people in our community. Uh, I don't think this is a question that's worth heckling, Honourable Speaker. I think we're having a formal, a good discussion here, and I think we should keep it that way. We know there's people struggling in our communities, Honourable Speaker. That's why we took the steps in that community to, to find ways to get people into shelter, to get them the supports they need to get back on their feet, Honourable Speaker. Please continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, that's why we've taken the steps to try to get people into housing, to get them the supports they need. I met with the West Vancouver Mayor and Council. We talked about ways to create mitigation strategies. We already have fencing there. We already have security there. We're going to find other ways to continue to support vulnerable people, but support the community as well. Leader of the Third Party. 
Thank you, Honourable Speaker. We're in a health care crisis. Critical staff shortages have led to unsafe nurse-to-patient ratios. ER closures are happening across the province. While the health care system crumbles, nursing students want to help pick up the pieces. In their clinical practicums, they contribute to patient care, but they are not compensated for their labour. Nurses come out of school with significant debt, and many are working additional jobs while in school to make <coughs> ends meet. Uh, through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Minister of Post-Secondary and Future Skill Training, the nursing profession should be open to students of all economic backgrounds. Will this government ensure nursing students are paid for their clinical practicums? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. The fundamental importance of nursing is why 42 of the 70 initiatives in our Health Human Resources Plan are about nursing. Uh, the significant increase in the number of nurses this year and you think of a net increase of 5,221 nurses this year, supports in the post-secondary uh, system are significant. One aspect of that plan is, for example, the significant increase in the employed student nursing programs. And of course, Honourable Speaker, we will continue to work with partners because of the significant actions we're taking on nursing, which are seeing real results in every part of British Columbia. Those significant actions have to continue, and we will look at every program to see that it is improved to the maximum possible extent. But the significant actions we have taken in favour, especially of student nurses, not just in their programs but on housing, will continue, including the increase of 602 nursing spaces this year. Leader of Third Party Supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. The Minister of Health uh, likes to talk a lot about numbers, but here's one number. 760 hours of unpaid work is what a nurse in training does in their practicum, 760 hours unpaid. Industries dominated by women, education, nursing, early childhood education receive little to no support during their practicums. In fact, they have to pay for their work experience. These areas are chronically understaffed, but those who want to be in them face immense financial barriers. Doctors, engineers, trade people, and Lawyers are justifiably paid for their apprenticeships, practicums, and internships, but those in women-dominated fields pay to do the important training in their fields. My questions for you, Honourable Speakers, to the Minister of Post-Secondary <coughs> and Future Skills Training. Will she implement a system of paid practicums for nurses, educators, and early childhood educators? Minister of Health. Uh, Honourable Speaker, the reason why we've added nursing programs because we need more nurses. We need to support nurses in BC. It's why we've added them in every region of the province, including in places such as Prince George and Fort St. John and other places in BC. It's why we've added um, uh, employment programs for nurses that are delivering significant numbers of new hours this year as part of a health human resources plan. As I said to the honorable member, we will look at every program to ensure that we're providing adequate support to nurses and to other healthcare workers as we meet the health human resources challenges of today. House Leader of the Fourth Party. Sorry, Leader of the Fourth Party. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Now, drug dealers love this NDP government. In fact, the only problem drug dealers have with the Premier is that this government is the biggest competition with both safe supply and their funding to the drug user liberation front to purchase drugs. BC's law enforcement officers tell me that decriminalization takes away a critical tool used to catch drug dealers, 
It takes away their ability to seize users' drugs to be used as evidence to go after dealers. Mr. Speaker, could the Premier explain why this government has chosen to make life so easy for drug dealers who peddle hard drugs that kill British Columbians? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and uh, thank you to the member for the question. Our province, as with every other jurisdiction in the country, is in the grips of an unrelenting public health emergency associated with the toxic drug crisis. That crisis is taking thousands of lives of British Columbians every year. That is why we uh, are scaling up with, uh, with our partners in, in the health sector, with our partners in law enforcement, with our partners in community services, in municipalities, strategies to intervene, to try to keep people alive so that we can connect them to the care and support and treatment that they need. We are working across the whole continuum, including on our uh, pro project related to, uh, to working with police, uh, police uh, with respect to decriminalization to eliminate the stigma that prevents people from reaching out for care and support. We're going to continue to do that work, that life-saving work. Fourth par party leader supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the issue is the tool being taken away from police officers to be able to catch drug dealers. And Mr. Speaker, according to the report by the Stanford Network on, uh, on uh, addiction policy, profiling opioid addictions in Alberta and British Columbia, BC has, and I quote, very low volumes of active charges in, cases, in case of drug supply, importation, and trafficking, end quote. And in fact, Mr. Speaker, 82% of incidents in Alberta result in a charge while only 29% of, of uh, drug crime incidents in BC result in a charge. So perhaps the Premier could explain to British Columbia why this province, under the, under the NDP's leadership, is so renowned for being lax on drug dealers, traffickers and importers. Attorney General. Thanks for the question. Uh, Mr. Speaker, what I can say is public safety and the safety of British Columbia is very important to this government. Um, we have put serious investments into Crown Council across, um, across this province. And as the member likely knows, Crown Council makes independent decisions on their charges. Last week, I was in Quebec with a meeting of all um, ministers of public safety and attorney generals across this province advocating for stronger tools for our bail reform and our, um, our repeat offenders initiatives to make sure that Crown Council and our justice system has the tools that it needs to respond to the pressing challenges of today. We'll continue to invest in the resources that we need to make sure that uh, we can increase public safety in this province, and it's something we take very seriously. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member for Study White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. British Columbians are stuck with the highest rents in Canada and the worst housing affordability in North America under this NDP's new normal. In Surrey alone, homelessness has shot up by 76% since 2017. On Friday, I heard directly from a 75-year-old woman who asked if she could park in front of my office because her car is where she lives and she doesn't feel safe. My question is to the Premier. How much longer will people of Surrey have to endure the NDP's new normal of record high homelessness? Minister of Housing. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And uh, certainly we have seen, uh, not only in British Columbia, but across North America, uh, a rise in homelessness coming out of the pandemic. 
Uh, this is not a challenge that only we are dealing with, um, but it's a challenge that we are seeing across the North America. Uh, we have made significant investments to tr try to get people back into housing, try to get them the supports they need, the wraparound supports they need, so that they can get back into market rent, get back into employment, all speaker. And we've seen some success, but there's still a lot of people struggling. That's why taking steps like we did today around short-term rentals, another step to advance to get more housing back on the market. I met with a couple in Abbotsford living in an RV because, and they both are working full-time jobs but couldn't afford a place to live, Honourable Speaker. And they're seeing people buying three, four, five homes as investment properties and saying, that's not fair. We need access to that housing. That's why we took the step we did today, Honourable Speaker, and we're gonna take a lot more steps to address the challenges we have ahead of us. Member for Richmond North Centre. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Seven years, two elections, and the NDP have delivered the highest level of homelessness in BC history. In Richmond, this NDP disaster means homelessness has more than doubled, up 131% since 2017. Nobody, nobody feels safe in Richmond anymore. And yet, the NDP government MLAs remain completely silent, not even one word. How much longer will the people of Richmond be subjected to the NDP's new normal of exploding homelessness crisis? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, appreciate the member's question. I met with Richmond councillors at UBCM. Um, they didn't raise that everybody in the community is not feeling safe. They did talk about people that are homeless and the fact that they need some more supports, uh, Honourable Speaker. And I think that's, I hope that's what the member was implying about safety, that there's uh, vulnerable people in our communities and we need more housing. Honourable Speaker, we've taken steps in uh, Richmond to uh, bring 514 units of affordable housing online for people. Almost two decades of lack of investment for people, the vulnerable people in our communities. We were, in, for a time here, we had a Minister of Housing on the other side who said, if you can't afford it, just move. Honorable Speaker, we're not saying that to people. We're saying, if this is your community, if this is where your family members are, then we're going to work with you to get affordable housing for you in your place, where you live, Honorable Speaker. We're taking a different approach than has been taken by previous government. Member for Courtney East. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Honourable Speaker, the NDP's new normal uh, has British Columbians dealing with the highest levels of homelessness in BC's history. In Cranbrook, this means 300% increase in homelessness since 2018. Seven years, two elections, and what we get under this NDP's rules and mandates is downtown cores that are crumbling. How can the Premier possibly try to justify a 300% increase in homelessness as a new normal in Cranbrook? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, as I said to the previous member, this is a challenge we're seeing across North America. Every single city, every single community is seeing numbers go up coming out of the pandemic combined with mental health challenges, Honourable Speaker, combined with a toxic drug supply that's making it even harder for people that are struggling to recover, Honourable Speaker. All these challenges is what we're dealing with on the front lines. That's why we're making the investments we're making, Honourable Speaker. And community, uh, Cranbrook that he mentioned, uh, his community, he'll know that there's been a significant amount of affordable housing units that have opened up in his community. Uh, his uh, local mayor and council welcomed those investments, and those investments just have not been happening over the last two decades. 
decades, there was little to no investment being made in communities to build affordable housing. So, Honourable Speaker, we're, we're going to continue this work. We're going to bring in things like short-term rentals to get more housing stock online. We're going to take other steps, which is coming with legislation, to get more housing supply so that we can get people the homes that they need. Member for Prince George Wilmount. Well, thank you very much. And what British Columbians want from this Premier and this Minister are a whole lot less words and a whole lot more action. Seven years, two elections, and the NDP's housing failures are glaring whether you live in Prince George or Delta. In fact, it was unbelievable recently to hear this Minister lay the blame on my community in Prince George when it's his responsibility to ensure there's housing for people in British Columbia. Perhaps he needs to take a minute and look in the mirror, because in his own community of Delta, homelessness has skyrocketed by 132 per cent since 2017. So it's time for the Premier to get up and take accountability for the highest levels of homelessness in British Columbia's history. I'm counting on him to stand up and do that today. Minister of Housing. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And I uh, appreciate the question from the member. The member uh, raises Prince George and uh, says that uh, I blame the community. Honourable Speaker, here are some words I want to share with the member. What is most disappointing about the decision is that the city of Prince George seems to be moving in the right direction. In June, the city and the province came together to sign a memorandum of understanding focused on addressing the community's escalating housing crisis. And then, at the end of August, without explanation, the city rejected these much-needed resources and opted for a trajectory of needless trauma. These are not my words. These are the words of, of Regional Chief Terry Teji talking about how we finally had everybody at the table on a path forward to ensure that the community was safer and the most vulnerable people had the support they need. And the city of Prince George, on a surprise announcement, an in-camera meeting, changed that direction. Now, I'm grateful that we got a chance to meet with them, to have a conversation about how we get things moving again. But, Honourable Speaker, we were on a path to address that challenges in that community, and it's disappointing that they chose a different path. Member for Peace River North. Thanks, Honourable Speaker. The NDP just don't get it. Homelessness is worse than ever, and everything that we've been hearing the Minister say today isn't working. All while British Columbians suffer through the highest rents in Canada and the worst affordability in North America. Even in my community of Fort St. John, we've seen an increase of 67% in homelessness. Seven years, two elections, and communities such as Parksville and Qualicum are being crushed by the NDP's failures. A staggering 145% increase in homelessness. How much more suffering will it take for the Premier to admit the NDP's new normal of record high homelessness in Parksville, in Qualicum, is an abysmal failure. Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, uh, and certainly, I do appreciate that there's a, uh, the opposition now is talking about homelessness, Honourable Speaker. I do appreciate that now they've discovered that this is an important issue that should be discussed in this chamber. Because, Honourable Speaker, this side of the House, we've been fighting for the most vulnerable people for the entire time when we were in opposition and we are in government, Honourable Speaker. It's, it's almost as if they just woke up to the fact that there's people in our community that have been struggling, not just now, but have been struggling for a long time, Honourable Speaker. 
only, oh, Honourable Speaker, they say it only started seven years ago. Because before 16 years they were in government, there was, there was no homelessness. There was no issues, Honourable Speaker. And the member will know in his community, we've opened 92 affordable housing units. And I would challenge the member to go back to see the previous 16 years if there was any affordable housing units open in his community. <laughs> continue to do what we need to do to invest in communities, to invest in affordable housing for the most vulnerable people in our province. Member for Caribou Chilcotin. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And while uh, some of the members uh, of our government choose to laugh here this afternoon, I can assure you that no one in Caribou Chilcotin finds this funny. Seven years and two elections and the NDP failures are glaring. Under the Premier's watch, homelessness is spiralling out of control. Right in my own backyard in Williams Lake has had a shocking 79% increase in homelessness since 2018. And for the people of the Comox Valley, homelessness has more than doubled, 132% increase, and still no word from the NDP MLA. Why is the Premier expecting the people of Williams Lake and Comox Valley to settle for the NDP's new normal of record high homelessness? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, I met with the Mayor of Williams Lake uh, just recently at UBCM. He, he appreciated the fact that we've already opened significant investment, made significant investments in his community, opening up affordable housing. He knows more are in, in the way, coming in that process right now, Honourable Speaker. And we're going to continue to do that in communities in Williams Lake and communities across the province because we know that it's going to require government to make investments to build these type of affordable housing, Honourable Speaker. That wasn't here. That wasn't the, that wasn't the playbook uh, in this province before we formed government. It was, it was say, there was a saying that they would just leave it to somebody else to solve it. Somehow the market would solve the problem. It's not the case, Honourable Speaker. It's going to require government investments. We're building the foundation of the supports communities need. Now, the member mentioned Comox. We are also making investments in Comox. We are also making investments in Courtney. Talk to the mayor of Courtney and he'll tell you that no government has made the level of investments in his community that we have been making, and we're going to continue to do that. Member for Skina. Man, in the last seven years, all the issues facing BC are characterized now as crisis. Doesn't matter what you mention. And housing, homelessness specifically, is described as a crisis. No matter how many announcements you make, the, the results are worse. The NDP's failures are obvious all across the province as homelessness skyrockets from one community to the next. In just one year, terrorists have seen an increase of 46% in homelessness. But wait, Smithers outdid us. Theirs is a staggering 97% increase in homelessness. But let's not forget Prince Rupert, where homelessness has soared by 106%. And silence from the NDP MLAs representing those regions, their own representatives that should be advocating in this room, in this house, on this floor, in this chamber. Can the Premier tell people on terrorists, Smithers and Prince Rupert how much longer they have to put up with the NDP's new normal of record high homelessness? Minister of Housing. Thank you, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. 
Uh, I'll start by saying that uh, I am so proud of my colleagues. Every single day, I have colleagues coming to my office saying, we need this in my community. We need more affordable housing. We need more supportive housing, Honourable Speaker. Why? Because we know there's great challenges in communities. We also have members from the opposition who come and advocate for that, which is great, because I think we all need to work together to get that type of housing built. But, Honourable Speaker, the member talks about terrorists. He should know, and he knows, I do know he knows, that we have taken steps to, uh, to open affordable housing in his community, both uh, with uh, local uh, nations, but also when there's emergencies in, in the community, we've taken steps to get emergency housing available for people so that they wouldn't be in vulnerable situations. We can avoid them being homeless. So, Honourable Speaker, I, I, know, I know members understand that. I know it's a challenging time for people and communities. That's why it's critical that we not only invest in more housing, but we also do things like we did today with the short-term rentals. Get more housing stock back on the market so those that are working, that have money but can't access housing, have an opportunity to do so. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. $4.9 billion in affordable housing for low-income individuals, seniors and families, 6% of total housing stock in British Columbia for government-assisted housing with very, various levels of support, 24,000 new units of affordable housing, 12,390 new units of housing for seniors and people with special needs across the province, 6,900 housing units for the homeless or those at risk of homelessness, 3,000 units of housing in the downtown east side. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's our record. Yeah. Let's go to yours. The NDP's failures to combat homelessness are evident across the Lower Mainland. Burnaby is grappling with a staggering 203% increase. North Shore, not far behind, up 68%. New West is up by 53%, and the Tri-Cities up by a whopping 73%. Langley and Vancouver have increases of 14 and 13%, respectively. When will the Premier acknowledge that these dire statistics are now his legacy? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, uh, I've already mentioned several times that it is certainly a challenging time, not only in BC, but across North America. Now, I really appreciate that member asking the question because the member will know Thursday I was uh, in her community uh, making a significant announcement with the mayor, uh, 120 new supportive housing units coming to that community. The mayor said the, 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 the mayor said that, that this was a significant and huge investment in the community. We agreed on members. Oh, he, did. he did. And he also said that the additional supports, the hearth supports, the supports of coordinating with bylaw officers, coordinating with mental health professionals, coordinating with health professionals is exactly what his community needs. In fact, honorable members, speaker, members, in fact, come honorable to order. speaker, the member was in the front row clapping, honorable speaker, because she knew it was important for her community. The bell ends the question period.